0: hello and welcome to work well with stephanie wolf brought to you by the whole food health coach llc where we make your goals our goals and you're never alone on your wellness journey Experience the information, inspiration, and collaboration of our Coach in Your Corner partnership. My name is Stephanie Wolf. I'm a National Board Certified Health and Wellness Coach and the proud owner of the Whole Food Health Coach, now in its ninth year and five-time winner of Best of Gwinnett Award in Endocrinology, Diabetes, and Metabolism Practices. Rachel, Sherry, and I invite you to visit WholeFoodHealthCoach.com to set up your 60-minute Healthy Living Assessment. Our award winning three phase program is changing lives. Work Well is brought to you weekly and is dedicated to your personal and professional health and wellness. I offer examples from my own life, health, marriage, family, faith, and business. I share my research, my opinion. And my faith, designed to bring you compelling content, engaging challenges, and practical body, soul, and spirit support on your wellness journey. Work Well comes to you from my personal desire to live long and strong and uh, and live with purpose and die of old age, help others to do the same. Now from living rooms to boardrooms via Business Radio X, you're listening to Work Well with Stephanie Wolf. Okay, let's do this. I have a funny for you today. It's called The Ideal Father. A father of five children had won a toy in a raffle. He called his kids together and asked which one should have the present. Who's the most obedient, he asked. Who never talks back to mom? Who does everything she says? The five kids looked at each other, talked it over quickly, and together in one voice said, you play with it, Daddy. (laughs) I love that one. I am that mother, that wife. Anyway, if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that each week I seek to offer you inspiration and information. I encourage you to challenge yourself, change something, improve something, let go of something, pick up something, start something, restart something, or at least bring a healthy self-dialogue with excitement and generosity in your heart. I hope that you've been uh, enjoying this year's podcast, 2019. In um, 23, we started off the year with new beginnings in January. That was our theme. February was Heart Health Month. March was one of my favorites. 49 years married to Jack Wolf. It was called Marvelous Marriage Marathon Month. There were five sessions, and you have to go back and listen to them. They're super fun. And this month, we've been dealing with clean communities and talking about clean as the acronym. As you know, that my whole program is designed around. Character, how you care for yourself, lifestyle, how you live it out, exercise, how you move, attitude, how you think, and nutrition. How you eat. So this whole month we've been discussing that clean acronym using kind of a spring cleaning theme, I suppose. And um, the spring cleaning, when I looked it up in definitions, it says the old disappears and the new is appearing. I like that because every day we get a new chance at doing something, and um, spring is just the time to remind us of that. So I talked about spring cleaning and how important it is to get find the dirt in those places where we don't normally look for dirt. You know, we might clean up out on the outside, where everybody is going to see and um, spring cleaning is all about the parts maybe you don't often see you're focusing a little bit more on that and the goal of spring cleaning is to tidy up and freshen up and um, that living space that you enjoy it's a new season as it rolls in you get to put all the other seasonal clothes out of the way and bring in the new season's clothes so the physical act of cleaning is in itself uh, has positive effects on our body and our mind and so I do spend a lot of of time talking about the physical and emotional as well as mental and spiritual. And so that cr- clean concepts for living and the foundation of coaching and training that we do at the Whole Food Health Coach is super important to me. So every Thing that we do in every one-on-one session or, or um, podcast or w- uh, workshops that we do live and in person or the webinars that we do on um, virtual sessions that we offer. So there's all kinds of those things going on and um, we began this Particular month with spring cleaning, we met with a licensed professional counselor working with young people and their parents in the school system and parents um, of those children. And some of her stories were awesome, and the examples that she gave us, too. We actually did some box breathing right here on the air. And we were challenged to look at some, um, s- take a serious look, I think, at some of the things that we might need to change ourselves so that we can be strong for the people around us that we love, maybe freshening up our outlook or removing all that accumulated garbage and replacing bad attitudes and just basically stop settling, you know, and start, you um, you know, giving more of our best self. So that was where we went and getting a good grip on our health first because if we find our footing, then maybe we can help somebody else get on their feet. But uh, that's the key there. And your strength and stability can be somewhat um, useful to somebody else. And if you've been uh, through hard times and had some difficulty getting on your feet, you know what that feels like. So it's nice to have someone to lean on and um And then we had, so. Last session was one that was thoroughly enjoyed by those listeners, and I heard from everyone. Uh, we had a discussion about mental and emotional wellness and self care from an insightful young adult. My grandson Caleb Wolf was with us, and the podcast was a real hit. And um, it was liked and shared and reshared like none other. So I was very happy. Not just with that, but certainly he brought so much insight. And there were many people that were passing that on to their young adults in their life and also other parents. And so I've been proud of my grandson a lot of times, but I don't think I've ever been more proud of him than I was during that conversation. Which brings us to today. So if you missed any of those, you can look back. But today, we're going to continue to lead by personal responsibility in our own well-being and also lean into how we can provide for the needs of our community and our world. It's a big world. There's a lot of need out there, but we're really going to focus on where we are today in our own lives, our own families, our own marriage, our own kids, our own community, and some of the things that we can do to help our community. So today we have Drew Warner with us, and he is a community advocate if I've ever met one, and I'm glad that he's able to be with us today. Let me just tell you a little bit about him before I turn him loose. Um, Drew Warner is the lead pastor of Good News Church here in um, Georgia. It's a two-year-old church. The Swanee Sugar Hill Communities are the communities that he lives in and serves and loves, and all of Gwinnett, because I've seen him everywhere. But he was born in Mississippi, grew up in Delray Beach, Florida, and lives in Sugar Hill. He has a B.A. in economics from the University of Florida and a master's in divinity from Metro Atlanta Seminary. Drew has been a pastor for 20 years and also married to his wife, Laura, for 20 years. They have two children, Grace, a high school senior about to graduate. I just got the invitation. And Micah, who is a seventh grade middle schooler. Drew and Laura have a passion for neighborhood and community ministry. And I hope he's going to tell us all about it because we're always invited to things. He's always doing something. And Drew has been actively engaged as a volunteer and a leader in starting youth mentoring and fatherhood initiatives in their local public schools. And I hope he'll tell us more about that. Drew's favorite things include Osteen's fried shrimp. He's saying that in front of me and, uh, no problem there. And, uh, from St. Augustine, Florida. So I guess that's pretty specific there, right, Drew? Yes. And then, um, Pod pod Rocker Tailgate Chairs. Okay. I'll talk about that. Okay, gotcha. I want to hear more about that. He also loves live music, camping, a warm fire, cold IPA, and sharing good news that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us and made us free. Friends of God, Romans eight five and eleven. Welcome, Drew. Tell us more about these things. I can't wait to hear. Thank
1: you, Stephanie. You can start <coughs> it's great to uh, it yeah, great to be here. Great to be here on your podcast. Uh, Jack and Stephanie have been great friends of ours for probably twenty years too. The twenty year mark is being thrown around, so it's been a long time, and uh, and we're neighbors, so yes. um, it's been a lot of fun to be in relationship with you and Jack. And it just dawns on me that, yes, one of my favorite things is Osteen's fried shrimp. And here I am on the Whole (laughs) Food Health Coach. Uh, But maybe it helps me that it's in St. Augustine. So we only eat it once a year. There you go. Although when we're there, we eat it usually three or four times while we're in St. Augustine. (laughs) But if you are in St. Augustine or you live near St. Augustine, uh, the best fried shrimp in the world. The Pod Rocker is one of the best, most comfortable tailgate chairs I have ever experienced. So I'm a big fan of that. I think about, you know... Um, what are the things that you love and what are the things uh, that you're an advocate for? That's one of them. During COVID, Laura and I were walking the neighborhood during COVID, and some of our other neighbors were in their driveway. They said, hey, come over here and sit down. We sat down in their tailgate chairs, their pod rockers. And I went home from that walk and ordered two pod rockers. <laughs> so okay, I'm telling you. So uh, they
0: rock, avid. Ov- they're really obviously. comfortable. Yeah, they kind of rock back and forth. Okay. And, uh, Do they fold up? You can take them yeah, with you anywhere. Yeah, yeah. That kind of thing.
1: But like the back support that you get from them, they're just super comfortable. All so right. Anyway, here we well, are talking about pop. Rockers.
0: I know, and I should ask for them to support my <laughs> channel <right>. now. Okay. <laughs> so live music, camping, warm fire. Anything else? I know. I know. I love that you shared those. Personal loves and (laughs) especially your biblical um, stand on the good news. There's so much to be said on that. So take us there.
1: Well, so where do we start? Uh, Community. Um, Yeah, I guess Laura and I moved into Sugar Hill 20 years ago. And when we moved in, I was on staff at a church, and uh, we thought, well, you know, we want to love our neighbors, and where is our focal point of ministry going to be? Uh, The church where I was on staff on was uh, about 30 minutes away, and we said, well, you know, our community is the best place to start. These are the people that we're going to see most all the time, and we want to develop good friendships uh, with people where we live anyway. So that's where we started, and, you know, from a kind of a spiritual and relational perspective, it's amazing um, what God's been doing, but the way that it started is I just sort of said, you know, how about... Uh, for at least the first year or so that we live in this neighborhood, we just try to get to know people, Um, know people by name, and, uh, and just start praying that God would do a work in our lives, do a work in their lives, do a work in our community. And the kicker for us is, you know, for at least the first year we're not going to invite anybody to church, we're not going to initiate any kind of spiritual conversation, we're just going to develop friendships. Hang out. And that felt a little unusual for, you know, somebody who's a follower of Jesus to go, we're not going to try to share our faith, we're not going to try to invite people to church, but we we stuck to that. And probably, you know, it was about a year and a half into it, people started initiating conversation with us about faith, and people started inviting themselves to church. Uh, but it was in the context of relationships and real friendships that were developed, real trust, um, and it just became beautiful. That was 20 years ago, and now Sugar Hill really is the center of uh, our, our community uh, for us. Our relationships, the people that we hang out with are right in our neighborhood. So, like, our best friends live in our neighborhood, and it mm-hmm. all started that way. And some of the things we'll talk about today just flowed out of how that started, and um, But, you know, I I mentioned a warm fire and a cold IPA Uh, a few years after we moved into our neighborhood. We started a men's group, and I told the guys uh, who came, I said, you know, this isn't going to be a a keg party, and it's not going to be a Bible study, but it'll be maybe something in the middle. (laughs) (laughs) And I think everybody was intrigued, and so for almost 15 years, we met around a bonfire, and uh, guys would bring, you know, good craft beers and smoke cigars, and we'd talk about, you know, what does the Bible say about life and— Work and family, and and the seeds that were planted of relationship and even just in spiritual conversation, there eventually uh, led into uh, a new church that started about two years ago. So, that's and, a
0: beautiful story, and that's the way it should be. Really, it's more about building relationships yeah. than it is getting people through the doors. Right. And I I love that you you brought in love your neighbor. You yeah. know God's two commandments, right? Yeah. Love him, love your neighbor. Yeah. And I think if we spent more time caring for our communities and loving our neighbors and getting to know them and their needs that there would be so much more care in your schools or in, um, you know, government and all those other things that sometimes can be um, more on the negative side. Mm -hmm. People say, well, why don't they do this? And why don't they do that? And I'm like, well, maybe I need to do this and maybe I need to do that. So I'm glad that you opened your door and open yourself up basically Mm -hmm. to neighbors. I know you guys are always cooking something up and inviting people over. Your backyard is and always full and it's just amazing. It's almost like you are the community center Mm -hmm. of your neighborhood. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Well and you know, Laura and I are both we're both extroverts mm-hmm. and we both love doing stuff and having people over. So when we talk about, you know, ministry in a community, I always really am intentional to say you have to factor in your own personality type. Yeah. The things that you like to do, the things that you enjoy. And you know, you may not be extroverted. That may not be your thing. A lot of people maybe just go i can't do that i don't really even want to do that mm-hmm. but maybe your thing is a book club you know or maybe your thing is you know inviting a neighbor to go for a walk and a lot of people who are more introverted reserved it's not that they don't like people they just like smaller quantities of people <laughs> I
0: like that smaller <laughs> right? quantities of people. like maybe one
1: or two and yep. not a big group and um so yeah
0: That's great. So, your dad and uh, those two lovely young people, do you want to tell us about how that feels? You've got one that is ready to go to college. Yeah. yeah. So, that's obviously a preparation, and you guys have done well preparing her for the future. And here she is at that point. How does that feel, and what have you learned about that part of your fatherhood?
1: Well, so Grace is a senior, and Micah is a seventh grader, and you know, parenting is incredible, and it um, it keeps you humble. It, it it actually gives you all kinds of e- – a wide range of emotions that you experience as yes, a parent. <laughs> um, it's hard to believe that she's going off to college, and I hope we've prepared her well. You know, we'll see, and we'll see how she does. But, um, you know, it, it has. It's been a blessing, and, you know, I think one of the things that we'll talk about today is just – fatherhood initiatives in the schools and integrating all that. Yeah, I can't um, wait to hear that. Grace, you know, really sort of prompted that just as she was getting ready to go to school. She was, you know, going into first grade in our local um, ele- public elementary school. And I had heard about an, 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 an initiative called All Pro Dad that Tony Dungy started, the Super Bowl coach Mm. uh, from the Indianapolis Colts.
0: Yes, yay. And also the Tampa Bay
1: Bucks, and um, started in 1997. And it's basically uh, an opportunity for dads to come in and have breakfast with their kids on their school campus. And Mm. so as Grace was going into first grade, we looked into it and said, well, let's let's start that up. And, um, boy, that has just gone all over the place and it's it's spread into every school in our in our uh local community cluster the three middle the three elementary schools the middle school the high school and dads are now just very engaged with uh the schools and with their kids and uh and it's been a a huge blessing to us and a blessing you know to our kids to be able to and mike has come through as well and mike has been a part of that and uh, not only just the relationships that have been built with our kids through that, but also just with other dads and other men in the communities. And over the years, we'd heard teachers. I had a custodian years ago at the elementary school after we started uh, the All-Pro Dad chapter where we are. He said, I've never seen, I've been in, been at the school for 15 years. He said, I've never seen as many men engaged in the life of the school as they are this year. Mm-hmm. And he said, I think it's because they're on campus. And they're walking their child to class and they're meeting their child's teacher. And, uh, and when they're in the classroom, the, the teacher may say, hey, if you ever want to come back and read to the kids or if you want to come back and um, do some uh, tutoring or mentoring or whatever, and dad started to engage. And so um, it's just been neat to see how, how, uh, how that's taken off.
0: How important is it for a dad to be involved in their family's life from your perspective?
1: Wow. Um, you know, research and, and studies have shown just as, and I think, I think dads don't understand the impact uh, that it makes to, have a, to, have, to be involved in the lives of our kids, um, but it's significant. And I saw, a, I was just telling somebody the other day, probably 20 years ago, there was a, uh, a special on 60 Minutes of some juvenile elephants in an African tribe that uh, the adult male elephants had been poached for their ivory. So these juvenile males were left alone, and the juvenile ma- males were wreaking havoc in the villages all where they lived and tearing down huts, and they were yeah. a danger to the people that lived around them, and they really didn't know what to do. It was a, it was a major issue. So what they did is they went to another part of Africa where there were a, plenty of adult male elephants. They hit them with tranquilizers. (laughs) They transported them to this tribe or to this uh, region of Africa where the tribes were being um, just demolished and the villages were being demolished. And within a matter of days, the behavior from the juvenile elephants just kind of went right into alignment. And it was just the presence of the males that impacted uh, their behavior. So uh, and, and you know, one of the things that I love about All Pro Dad um, is during the breakfast, every dad um, stands up and introduces their child, oh. and but they say specifically something that they're proud of. And we try to focus more on character uh, more than accomplishments, although it's fine to say something, you know, if your child's had a great accomplishment, but character, you know, the issues of patience or kindness or, um, courage, uh, love, compassion, those type of things mm. is important because our children need to know that you know if they succeed or fail it doesn't matter um, as a dad and as a parent we love them for who they are right yeah and so that's become a great training for me as a dad just to be thinking about specifically um, what are the specific thing character things that I'm, proud of of my kids, and then calling that out and identifying that and just saying, I'm really proud of you for that. I noticed that, that when you did this, uh, that was a big deal. So way to go. So uh, I think that makes a huge difference for dads to be involved, for dads to be equipped uh, and helped in, in just how to how to be a positive uh, encourager to our kids.
0: Yeah, well, you definitely embody that. So I'm glad to hear you say those things. I believe, you know, I think there's a lot of talk sometimes about public schools and, mm. you know, do they do this well? Do they do that well? And I feel like they're doing the best they can. The teachers are absolutely amazing. And, um, and they, you know, the administrators and everybody's doing their best work for mm-hmm. the most part. I mean, I'm sure just like any. Profession, there's going to be shortcomings and weaknesses, and but um, I always say that parents are the primary um, educators um, because more is caught than taught, and I think there's a lot of what you said there about the dad and really sewing into their child's life, girl or boy, and just the value of that. And it is underestimated, I think, sometimes and maybe overlooked. Mom is, you know, the traffic controller, you know, keeping everything going in the right direction and scheduling everything. And sometimes like the little joke I started off with, you know, it's like, where do I need to be? What, what do I need to be doing? And mom is, uh, you know, directing. But dads have that place that is so such a stable place. And I know there's not... Uh, there certainly are some listeners that didn't have a strong example as a dad or weren't uh, maybe raised with dad in the home or didn't have dad around for whatever reasons. And um, are there initiatives that help the maybe less fortunate in that way that don't have both parents in the home that you know about?
1: Yes. Uh, Well, in fact, probably 15 or so years ago, we were doing research and study in our community. It was, what What are the greatest needs in our communities? And one of the, I think it was one of the top three needs was um, mentors, primarily adult male mentors with elementary school boys, focusing, if you had to target anyone on an age, third through fifth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, or really, I'd say probably all, first through third. Third grade is critical because... Um, they need to be at third-grade reading level. Uh, When communities look at uh, assessments for uh, academics and education, they look at third-grade reading levels. And I heard a stat one time, it's pretty scary, that they look at uh, the number of prison beds to build based on third-grade reading comprehension levels in communities. So that's a really critical spot. Um, So for anybody that doesn't have a dad at home, and there are a lot, you know, um, that don't have dads at home. There may be families where the dad is involved and active, and and that's huge, but there are some that just don't have that uh, opportunity, and so there, I would say there are mentoring opportunities in every school. A lot of people, a lot of churches, a lot of communities are wondering, you know, where can I serve, where can I get involved, and, Almost every elementary school that I know of has a mentoring program, and it's 30 minutes a week in, uh, in our community. It, we call it Half Hour Hero. Yeah, and that's what I want to hear about. It's, uh, it's all the way through that. from elementary to middle to high school, hmm. and um, you, know, you go in for 30 minutes. You could have lunch with a student and just talk about how you're doing, how's your, how's your day going, just develop a friendship. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs a cheerleader. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. we need cheerleaders. Yes. We need, you know, I, I think need... I think it was Zig Ziglar who said, uh, how do you know if somebody needs encouragement? And the answer was if they're breathing, right?
0: <laughs> yes.
1: So especially kids, though. They they need encouragers. And, and, and even just besides their parents, they need other people. I'm looking for that for my kids. We've mm-hmm. got that for Grace and looking to bolster that up for Micah just so that um, they've got others other than just parents speaking in and, and encouraging them. So... But I'd say public schools, um, private schools as well, just any uh, parent, male or female, but particularly dads, because a lot of times the dads are just not um, male role models are not as prevalent as, as the, the moms and the female role models, especially for young boys. And so it's just going in and being a friend uh, that's a, that's available probably in almost every school in every community.
0: That's good to know. That's good to know. I think the saying, be the change, you know, we've heard that a number of times, at least in in my wellness world, I focus on core values and lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And the be the change movement, actually, you know, it's always attributed to Gandhi as a quote, but quote, investigator says that um, that's not where it originated. It actually originated in 1974. And you'll probably like this story too, but I, I enjoy reading history and true stories and things that were uh, happening that influenced my life, I suppose. So in the 70s, I was growing up in the 70s. But it appeared um, in a chapter of a book written by an educator, Arlene Lawrence, And I'm not sure I'm saying her last name right, so I apologize if I have butchered that. But she described her unhappiness while employed at a high school in Brooklyn, New York. For seven years, she says, for seven years, I served my sentence and marked off institutional time. I complained, I cried, accepted hopelessness, put down the rest of the facility and the faculty for all the things they didn't do and devoted all my energies to trying to change others and the system. Arlene's approach changed radically when she achieved a crucial insight about the most effective way to achieve change. She said, it came to me on one day, loud and clear, that I was the only one who could imprison or release myself and that I was the only one I could do anything about changing. So I let go of my anger, my negativism, and made a decision to simply be loving, open, and vulnerable all the time. The chapter is entitled... The Love Project, and Arlene is the initiator and facilitator of the project. She said, one way to start a preventative program is to be the change you want to see happen. And that is the essence of that simple and successful endeavor known as the Love Project. So I always say, start your own love project. Uh, uh I've done it in a number of ways over the years myself, just with the CLEAN acronym. I do a lot of work with young people as well as high schoolers and uh, parents of them. Just keeping everything on a positive level. Now, that doesn't mean applauding you know, bad behavior. It certainly means, though, pointing out, like you said earlier, pointing out those achievements, pointing out the strengths, really leaning into how you can support where there might be a weakness or something that shows up, and where's that coming from, and some of those things, but being the change that we want to see in our workplace, in our family, our kids, our marriage, and certainly our community because it's going to affect the world, right? We have the globe sitting here with us for that reason. It's a great big world, and there's a lot of need. I I sponsor kids through Compassion International. We always have for 20 years, 25 years, something like that. And, um, so our kids have grown up and out of the program and then they send you, you know, the new picture. Mm -hmm. And, um, so we're writing to Ronald now and he's, um, he's a third grader. So when you mentioned that, I was like, oh, well, their system is a little bit different than ours in, in Ecuador, but, um... But I just think about the way we can impact the world. I'm not going to fly to, probably um, not going to fly to, God please, um, to Ecuador or um, Philippines where my other, uh, our other. Um, Child is through compassion. And I do believe in those kind of programs. But it's great to think about what's in your own backyard and what's in the own school system. And we can do both, right? You know, here, there, and anywhere that we've got the ability to do it. So, um, yeah, that's what I believe.
1: Well, I'll say, Stephanie, it reminds me um, one of the first boys that I connected with in mentoring years ago. I'd go in and, you know, my, my, my first thought was, well, maybe I need to invest in an entire classroom. You know, junior achievement is something that the school was doing, and that's a great program. And I thought, well, if I teach junior achievement, I can affect, you know, 30 kids. Um, is it really the best use of my time to spend 30 minutes with one child? But I just kept on that. And as I would leave the school, I'd think, is this really, is this really making a difference? Mm-hmm. Is it worth my time? And Christmas break came, and we came back to school, and I said, um, you know, how was your break? He said, good. I said, I, I guess you were probably pretty excited to be out of school for a few weeks. He said, yeah, but I, I was looking forward to coming back to school. And I said, really? I said, when I was your age, <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't like going to school, <laughs> and I wanted break to last longer, you know. And I said, so what did you miss the most about school? And he looked across the lunch table, and he said, You. And that's when it hit me, because I didn't think it was making any kind of a difference. But that's when it hit me, that it really does. And I've had that kind of experience over the years with different boys that I've been connected with at the school. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, and I think big things, big impact, big influence really does start small. Mm -hmm. And in in our just personal experience in our community and in all that God's doing in our in our neighborhood and, and surrounding, it really started with just paying attention to the person that God's put right in front of you mm-hmm. or right next to you or right across from you. And as we are faithful, I think in just seeking to the three words that sort of stuck out for us over the years have been to love, to serve, and to bless, mm-hmm. just to be a blessing, um, to love people without condition, no strings attached, um, seek to serve, seek to be a good neighbor. And, and pray, pray for our community, pray for people, and, um, and ask people, how can I be praying for you? And it's just amazing, you know, how God has, uh, what he's done with just a simple idea of loving, serving, and blessing.
0: That's the way I lived at Epic Faith when we had our, um, we still have our ministry Epic Faith, but when we had the Epic Family Life Center and we were engaged in the lives of people there, Jack used to call those families my parish because I, you know, I was like the chaplain there and women would just open up to me about their family and their children because I'd just sit down with them by the pool and put my toes in the water with them and ask how things are going and how can I pray, just that very same thing. And so I loved uh, that. and I definitely miss that, so I um, I applaud that you do that and so many others are doing these great things. I was thinking about biblical um, stories, and I've been reading through the Bible again this year. And so um, I'm not quite uh, through um, Deuteronomy, but this really impacted me. So I want to share this, Deuteronomy 24, 17 through 22 And it says, uh, because I'm reflecting on the practical portion of this. Obviously, it's God's word to Israel and uh, the people of Israel. But God said, You shall not pervert the justice due to the foreigner or to the fatherless, or take the widow's garment in pledge. But you shall remember that you too were once a slave in Egypt, And the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Therefore, I command you to do this. When you reap your harvest in the field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back and get it. uh, It shall be for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over them again. It shall be for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you gather the grapes in your vineyard, you shall not strip them afterward. You shall They shall be for the foreigner, the fatherless, and the widow. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you to do this. And do you know that there's over 27 million people living as refugees in other nations today because of wars that they didn't have anything to do with? And half of them are under 18 years old. And God commands that we, you know, that we don't keep everything for ourselves. And I love this portion of it because it just reminds me that, like you mentioned, the fatherless and the widow um, or single mom or, you know, single dad. And uh, that we provide something in some way for the foreigners, the fatherless and the widows. And I get personally challenged by this, obviously, generosity that God expects his people to practice, Um You know, not keeping everything I earn, you know, or or produce for myself. And that requires a lot of trust on our part. And particularly when our financial future is a little uncertain, which a lot of people are probably feeling these days, including myself. I'm entering retirement and trying to figure out, you know, what's next. And um, maybe it seems a little uncertain, but giving generously requires that we trust. God for everything um, that he's provided for us. At least that's my faith and Drew's faith. And um, it involves also the meeting the needs of others. Like I mentioned, Compassion International and uh, Lightway Recovery for Women, places that I um, serve just uh, with my life and time and talent. But, um, and this challenge isn't a political one. I'm not trying to make a political statement here, of course. But um, God says we're to remember our past. And, I, you know, we uh, we didn't always have a, a lucrative life and job, and we don't really have one now. But if you looked at us back then, you certainly would think we, we probably needed one of those bags that you and your church are putting together this weekend. <laughs> but because uh, we stood in cheese lines and, you right. know, do what we could as young people. We both worked um, hard and, um, you know, but giving on, uh, you know, on the behalf of others because he's just saying just don't keep it all that's what he's saying he's not saying give it all he's saying just don't keep it all and think about the next generation and I love the story a man was watching his 80 year old neighbor planting a small peach tree he was intrigued by the scene and he walked over to the elderly man and asked do you expect to eat peaches from that tree certainly not the old man rested on his spade and said, no, at my age, I know I won't. But all my life, I enjoyed peaches, never from a tree that I planted. So I'm just trying to pay the other fellows who planted the tree for me. And I love that, but I'm going to add a sentence. I trust that the next generation will enjoy the peaches from this tree and that I have planted. And maybe some of them will do the same for those that come after them.
1: Mm-hmm. That's good.
0: So we can do this, can't we? Yeah. we? We can do our part somehow, yeah. some way, no matter how big, because a lot of us doing a little bit really becomes something yeah. big.
1: Well, I think what you read there and what you shared about remembering, that really is the key. Because when we remember that we were once in need, yeah. and even from a spiritual perspective, that's why Romans 5, verses 8 and 11, You know, while we were enemies... Christ died for us. And then verse 11 says, and not only that, but he made us friends of God. Mm -hmm. So when we remember that we were the orphan, we were the widow, we were the foreigner, we were the one in need, and God came to us even while we were enemies, and he poured out his love and his grace and his compassion over us, then that becomes uh, the fuel, the motivation, and the power to want to reach out. You know, so much of, uh, and even my own struggle, is the want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're just naturally prone to wanting to put ourselves first, and generosity is something that we have to continue to be intentional about. I mm-hmm. think God says, you know, part of the reason, like what you were just saying, is I want you to give because it's a, first of all, it's it's a sign of trust that I'm going to be your provider, I'm going to give you what you need, um, but there's also a blessing in giving. Um, just as I've given to you, you give to others. And generosity is the heart of the gospel. And so as we enter into that with our resources and with our time and uh, with just the focus and investment that we have giving to other people and not just ourselves, there's actually a whole lot more joy that we experience in life uh, when you know that um, God's using you to be a blessing to other people. There really is great joy in that.
0: I like that. Thanks, Drew. So what can we do to plant for the future generations what can we do to help shape ourselves and and our culture i suppose to be just and fair and hospitable and generous society that cares for the downtrodden and the fatherless the widows you mentioned all of the things um that i would have answered Mm -hmm. you know for those questions Mm -hmm. if there's anything else that you want to share but um, I do think we need to do what we can do there's a lot of things we can't do right but with everything I always say just you know do what you can do not what you can't do yeah. you know we, we we focus a lot on what we can't do or if we think that the job is too big so we do nothing right you know then that's uh, definitely not going to meet needs right. and um, there's so many people who do have needs and legitimate needs I think and um, and we have to be careful not to even judge whether it is a legitimate need right. or not because I do hear a lot of that and even in my own mind i'm like oh what are they going to use this money for or whatever i mean you know there's always those things that you hear these stories and and things that maybe weren't as noble as you had hoped when you handed the person whatever
1: and if i'm ever questioning whether the need is legitimate i usually assume that it's not and I end up not giving,
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. so that's when we start to question need, we usually don't assume the best. That's true. Uh, we that's assume that's the changing. worst and then we, um, we don't give. I heard something the other day, I thought it was a really neat idea, just as a kind of a side note to this conversation, that I, I think that there's a high school that's doing this. I don't know if it's in our community or not, but for like physical education um, credit for school... They're saying that if you go, like if these students go and they do yard work in a neighbor's house, you know, like a, an elderly couple or a widow or a widower, mm-hmm. they go mow their lawn, you know, for an hour or whatever it is, that they accumulate a certain number of hours and then that'll go towards their their P.E. requirement. I, like that. I thought that's a great, you know, a great thought, a great idea. And then in our own community, um, this is kind of a new thing. The North Gwinnett Co-op is starting an initiative. Uh, called everybody needs everyone needs somebody B U D D Y, and what they're doing is just pairing up volunteers in the community with some of their uh, elderly seniors that that the co-op serves, and the volunteers will go twice a month and just drop in and and pay them a visit and say hello and check on them, and one of those visits they'll bring some food from the co-op and mm-hmm. deliver it to them. So there are all kinds of real you know creative. Uh, ways to serve people. And it's just, it's a matter of kind of keeping our eyes open and our ears open and, and leaving a little bit of margin uh, on our calendar, which I'm not great at, but, uh, and, and probably all of us really struggle with margin. But um, yeah, there are lots of great ways that we can be serving.
0: Well, if someone has any needs out there, then uh, there are places that you can go to get help. And, or if you have extra and you want to give towards something, I'm sure that Good News Church would be a place that they could call or somebody that they could contact there and that you could hook them up to maybe some of these. Sure, yeah, we, we're aware
1: of resources and we can uh, put people in touch. Our, uh, our website is goodnewschurchga.com. That would be probably the easiest way to get in touch with us, and uh, and my contact information is on the website. Perfect.
0: Awesome. That's a great space that you have over there at the brewing company, and it's very unique and different.
1: Yeah. Um, so probably eight years ago, um, somebody asked me the question in a workshop, if you knew you couldn't fail, what would you do? <laughs> and because of my relationships and experiences with neighbors and guys who enjoy uh craft beer and also Bible,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Bible and, beer. and
1: and also the numbers of people that we had met over the years who would say, you know, it's not that I'm not interested in faith and I'm not interested in God, I'm just, I've had bad experiences with church, and so I'm not really interested in church, but I am interested in faith. And so for a lot of years, I just thought, well, what would church look like uh, for for people in that, in that, kind of in that category? Mm-hmm. And at this workshop, they asked the question, if you knew you couldn't fail, what would you do? And my answer was, well, I think I'd start a brewery and launch a church out of it.
0: <laughs>
1: I don't brew beer. Um, I do enjoy craft beer, but um, but my interest was really in the space. And I didn't start the brewery. I helped a, a friend who I got connected with over the last few years, helped him get launched, find investors. And then it became very clear to us about two and a half years ago that we're supposed to start a church. And I was never looking to start a church. I've told people, if you ever see that I'm part of starting a church, you'll know that God made me do it. <laughs> and so God made me do it. But I'm so grateful that he did. I love it. And so, yeah, to your point, um, Good News Church meets at Monkey Wrench Brewing in Suwannee. It's a 14,000-square-foot warehouse, and uh, we push up the garage doors in the back and look out over the uh, just beautiful uh, beer garden, and people bring their dogs, and people bring food, and we sit at picnic tables and couches and chairs, and it's just a casual, fun environment, and we're just having a great time
0: churches wherever two or more are gathered in the name of our lord absolutely you know it doesn't have to it can be in a house it can be in a steeple beautiful brick building or it can be in a brewery that's (laughs) right that's right wherever you wherever you end up
1: dr seuss in a boat on a plane on a train (laughs) (laughs) there you go
0: i know jack uh taught our church years ago the epic faith about food truck ministry and his whole thing was go where people are don't expect people to Come to you in yeah. your stationary, you know, space, and so he's always been good about helping people design and develop their own ideas for something like this. I know he's um, been a coach, accessible or made himself accessible to you and Good News
1: Church well, and your leadership. I have to say that that, uh, and I want to say, you know, y'all have been friends for a long time, and when we were starting this i thought i need a coach i need somebody to help me do this and jack really was sort of my my model my mentor because of what you guys did with epic and so i called jack i said hey um you don't have to say don't have to give an answer right now but i'm looking for a church planting coach would you be willing to be my coach and he said do you know what I just did today? And I said, no. He said, I quit my job. job. (laughs) And he said, I quit my job in order to coach church planters, and you're my first phone call.
0: Oh, yes. (laughs) Oh, I forgot that. I'm glad you said that. Yeah.
1: And so, um, so Jack has, I mean, we meet with him regularly. He has been an incredible resource. And then on top of that... Um, both of you uh, meeting with our leadership team, our couples, our pastors um, regularly from a from a whole health perspective, Whole Food Health Coach, um, helping us think through physical health, emotional health, relational health, and spiritual health. Mm-hmm. Y'all have been just an incredible uh, resource and support and encouragement to us all along the way. I don't know that we'd be where we are as a church, and I don't know... <laughs> I don't know how far along we are. (laughs) I'm encouraged by where we are. You're a um, toddler. Yeah, that's right. But we definitely would not be uh, where we are without y'all.
0: Well, thank you. And and Sugar Hill and our communities wouldn't be where we are without the Warners. And (laughs) so thank you for all that you and Laura... And Grace and uh, Micah also do. So that's super exciting. Because we are the world. There's so much to be done. And I'm excited to be a part of the projects wherever they are, big or small, across the ocean, or right in my own backyard. Just you and me, that's all that's at it. So in our closing thoughts today, I just wanted to share a thought from Paul's second letters of Corinthians. If you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. If you sow generously, you will reap generously. So... We've all got seed to sow, but if you don't sow it, you can't have a harvest, and little seed, little harvest, much seed, much harvest, so I hope that we're all in this together, because we are the world, and there's so much need, and we can all do something, even if it's just, just don't keep it all, you know, find a place to plant some that you can plant. That's good. So you've been listening to Work Well with Stephanie Wolf, brought to you by the Whole Food Health Coach, LLC, where we make your goals our goals, and you're never alone on your wellness journey. So grateful for Drew Warner here with us today. Please reach out. If you need information about our corporate wellness programs, our virtual classes, or our individual coaching programs, go to WholeFoodHealthCoach.com. And our coaching is available virtually anywhere in the country. I'm Stephanie Wolf, wishing you well personally and professionally. See you next week live or on your favorite podcast channel. Until then, choose life.